0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. We've got a lot to get to, a great second weekend for Smile at the box office, better than anybody had anticipated, and a not-so-great weekend for one of the foremost independent-minded directors in Hollywood right now. Before we get to that, though, I want to thank my partner here on the show, as always, Carbon Health. Carbon Health has a commitment to providing healthcare as affordably as possible to as many people as possible. That's why I love working with them. And you can find out anything you need to know right now on the Carbon Health app, including including checking to see if there is a Carbon Health location near you. Even if there's not a physical Carbon Health location, you can use the app to do things like virtual appointments. And if you do live near a Carbon Health location in the state of California, you can make Carbon Health your primary care provider. Carbon Health also leaves appointments open every day because they realize that not everybody can schedule their medical care. You can check out the Carbon Health app right now to find out even more. And as always, I'm gonna thank Carbon Health for being my partner here on the show. And let's look at the box office for this past weekend. The 7th through the 9th of october and we really have to talk about smile we'll talk about every one of these top five but smile in its second week a drop of just 18.3% for an 18.4 million dollar total a second week at number 1. And if you watch this show a lot, you know that when we look at second weekend drops, there are a lot of different things that we talk about. For movies that skew a little bit more adult, we say, oh, sometimes like a 20 to 40% drop in the second weekend is good. For big blockbuster movies, ones that open to 60, 80, 90 million dollars, we talk about the fact that, you know, a 50 to 60% drop is expected. But you know a lot of times when we talk talk about horror movies and their second weekend drops largely because word of mouth isn't always the best we're often looking at a 60 to 70 percent weekend to drop and so with smile that 18.3 percent drop is great for any kind of movie but it is almost unheard of for a horror movie When we look at the best second weekend holds for a movie in super-wide release, so this would be 2,000 theaters or more this year, Smile actually tops every other release. Its 18.3% drop is the best second weekend hold for any film released domestically this year in more than 2,000 theaters. It beats out The Invitation at 28.3%, Top Gun Maverick at 28.9%, of course that movie opened to a huge number in its opening weekend, Dog at 31.7%, and The Bad Guys at 30. 2.2% so Smile having the best hold for any super wide release this year and when we talk about the horror genre there was a lot of talk and a lot of reporting saying that it was the second best hold for an R rated horror film ever that's not quite true but it is true when we talk about horror films that are in 2,000 theaters or more these are the best second weekend holds for all horror films that I could find records of that were in 2,000 or more theaters this is all time the best hold from it's first weekend to second weekend was the six cents it dropped just 3.4 percent from weekend one to weekend two that's largely because the word of mouth was you have to go see this movie at number two was get out with a 15.4 percent drop that's another r-rated horror film but then you see smile at 18.3 percent just behind it followed by i know what you did last summer which dropped 20.9 percent from its first weekend to its second weekend and then what lies beneath which dropped 23 percent from its first weekend to its second weekend. Now, when you expand it to all R-rated horror films, there are movies like Scream, for example, that did not open in more than 2,000 theaters, but it did like 46% more business in Weekend 2, but really the thing to focus on here is that Smile apparently has incredible word of mouth because it really does seem like a lot of people were either going to see Smile again, or people had heard that Smile was good and they're taking their friends to go back or they're seeing it for the first time, But I'll be very interested to see how Smile does in the weeks ahead because this is an incredibly strong hold for a horror film, or really just about any film. In second place was the family film Lyle Lyle Crocodile with an $11.4 million opening. Lyle Lyle Crocodile had a reported budget around $50 million and that would be the other big box office story of the weekend because that's not the best opening, although family films have been legging it out pretty decently at the box office lately. But the other big story is David O. Russell's Amsterdam which was at some points considered to be, well maybe it'll compete for first place or it'll at least open to a around $10 million. It opened in a disappointing third place with $6.4 million. The reviews on this movie were not good. David O. Russell himself generating a lot of controversy for actions that happened off screen and audiences obviously not flocking to see this film. Now, the big story on this is that the budget on Amsterdam was $80 million, which is an insanely high amount of money for the kind of film that we're talking about here. But it's not just because they were dole. Out big paydays to the A-list cast that was involved. Reportedly, a huge amount of the budget was a relocation of the shoot from Boston to Los Angeles, and also the fact that the shoot was shut down because of the pandemic back in 2020. That's when the relocation happened, and reportedly the budget went from 50 million dollars to 80 million dollars. Regardless, though, there are now media reports saying that this movie could lose upwards of 100 million dollars for 20th Century Studios, which is now essentially Disney. So this is not good uh, for this movie, not good for David O. Russell. And a lot of people thinking, you know, before anyone had seen the movie, this could potentially be an awards contender. It looks like this is just going to be seen as a pretty major box office misfire. This also did not measure up to what we've seen recently from David O'Russell. These are the best wide opening weekends for him as a director. Now, these are when the movies went into wide release. You see, his best opening was American Hustle, which opened in $19.1 million several years ago. Joy, also starring Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper, was number two with $17 million. Then way back in 1999, Three Kings with $15.8 million. The Fighter with Christian Bale, who's also in Amsterdam, at $12.1 million. And then Silver Linings Playbook, which was a multiple Oscar nominee and winner with $10.7 million. The one thing that a lot of these movies had in common that we did not see with Amsterdam was a platform release. These movies played in limited release, a smaller number of theaters for one or two or some sometimes several weeks, and then they would go to wide release after the word had gotten out and reviews had been generated, etc. That didn't happen with Amsterdam. Now, it would not have gotten great buzz because I don't think the critics would have changed their tune depending on what the release strategy of the film was, but we talked about this with Bros as well last weekend where we have seen in the past movies that are similar to these movies that are having disappointing openings that have had better success with a smaller number of theaters ramping up the release schedule, etc. We're not seeing as much of that with these films and they're really being left to die in the marketplace. We are seeing so many of these movies that also have a fairly high budget point. I think the budget could have been brought down on a lot of these movies that just aren't doing well in the open marketplace, Amsterdam being just the latest example. At number four this weekend was The Woman King with $5.1 million, spending its fourth week in the top five and a healthy drop off of 24.1%. Don't worry, Darling, in its third week, stays in the top five, but is, again, performing a little bit more like you would expect a comic book film, a 48.9% drop in week three for a $3.5 million total. Coming in sixth place was the re-release of Avatar in its third week. It drops 45.5% for a $2.7 million total, staying at number seven is Barbarian, another buzzy horror movie with a $2.1 million total, just a 22% drop off from last week. Bros falls out of the top five to number eight in its second week. And again, this is not the kind of drop you want for an adult skewing comedy film. Usually we're looking at 20 to 40% if you're doing good margins here. 55.5% not great news for Bros in its longevity in the marketplace, a $2.1 million total there. Top Gun Maverick at one point this weekend had been counted out of the top 10. And yet, like the phenomenon that it is, in its 20th week, not only does it stay in the top 10, it moves up one spot from last week from number 10 to number 9, a 32.7% drop. And then at number 10 in limited release, a new horror film called Terrifier 2, which brought in $805,000. We'll talk a little bit more about Terrifier 2 in just a couple of moments. Dropping out of the top 10 this weekend, Punny and Selden Part 1 took a big drop from last week. Some numbers I saw as much as 90%. So it appears very front loaded as far as the interest in that film, dropping out of the top 10 after just one week. Bullet. Train after 9 weeks in the top 10 also drops out, as well as DC League of Super Pets after 10 weeks. Now out of the domestic top ten last year around this time, Venom: Let There Be Carnage was in the marketplace. We were getting ready for No Time to Die. We don't have anything like that quite yet coming up. We've got Halloween ends this week. We've got Black Adam coming up soon. Uh, but right now the market is just bereft of these big movies. It's it's weird. There was confidence last year when the pandemic was in a much more uncertain phase to put Venom: Let There Be Carnage out, and yet again we have a box office that is far below the averages that we hoped it would be. I mean, when we look at the box office really post late July, it's just been in the tank. It is pretty disappointing to see us quote unquote in recovery mode uh, to be underperforming to this level. Part of it, I guess, is just that we don't have the movies in the marketplace right now that are bringing people out in large numbers, but it's still not great to see. Let's look at the per theater averages for this past weekend. And we actually had a very strong per theater average again in one of these platform releases that I was talking about, Tar, by filmmaker Todd Field. This is his first movie since 2006's Little Children, which was an Oscar-nominated film, very critically acclaimed, starring Patrick Wilson, Kate Winslet, uh, Jackie Earl Haley. That was his big uh, breakthrough performance. In just four theaters, Tar came in with a per theater average of 39600 and 55. That was good enough if we look here. These are the top per theater averages of 2022. TAR comes in at number 3 for the year thus far. Now the last time we looked at this chart, there was a film called 4th of July that was at number 1. Now I went back and double checked those numbers because I like to do that from time to time and they had been revised so that the per theater average for that weekend uh, was not nearly as high as it was initially reported. We see that sometimes numbers are reported a certain way when they go back and look at them they are. Are not quite the same. So Everything Everywhere All at Once now moves back up to the number one spot with a $50,000 per theater average back in March when it debuted in just 10 theaters. Then we have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the only wide release of the year so far with a top per theater average with $41,000. Then Tar at number three, that bumps Bodies, Bodies, Bodies down to number four. Back in August, it debuted in six theaters to just over $37,000 per theater. And then The Worst Person in the World back in February, with a $34,000 per theater average in just four theaters. So the limited or specialty box office is working in some movies cases, just not all movies. And even though it didn't quite make the top five list for the year, Triangle of Sadness, which also won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival, had a very strong per theater average as well, $21,460 in just 10 theaters. Then we have the three big new wide releases, Smile, Lyle, Lyle Crocodile, and Amst Amsterdam at numbers three, four, and five. Before we move on, I'd like to thank one of the sponsors for today's show, Raycon. We are very much in the Halloween season, which means that we like to decorate outside to make everything look great. And if I'm decorating by myself, then I've usually got my earbuds in listening to some music, a book, or a podcast. But no matter what I'm listening to, it sounds great thanks to my Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. Raycon's also give you eight hours of playtime and a 32 2-hour battery life, and they're priced just right. You can get quality audio at about half the price of other premium audio brands, which is great to keep in mind as you're making those lists for the holiday season. If I'm zoning out outside and I just want to kind of focus on what I'm doing, then I can use the noise isolation mode, or if I want to keep an ear out to see if the neighbor wants to say hi, I can use the awareness mode, which keeps me more plugged into my surroundings. But no matter what I'm doing, the customizable sound profiles on my Raycon earbuds ensure that they are perfect for the task. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com today and use code MERL15 to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's code MERL15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buy, B-U-Y, Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com, code MERL15. And I want to thank Raycon for sponsoring today's show. Looking at movies that were in limited release, so these are 1,000 theaters or fewer, I mentioned Terrifier 2. It was the number 10 movie at the box office this weekend with $805,000. Terrifier 2 is an independent, partially crowdfunded horror film that played in limited release. Its total gross is now over $1.2 million, so this is a place where we're seeing uh, movies like this break through, smaller films that can get into a larger number of theaters and find that support in Selvan, despite having a big drop from its first week, was still number two in limited release with a total of $264,000. Jeepers Creepers Reborn, which is a Fathom event, it's kind of been making the rounds for the last few weeks. It's actually in its third week of release, but because Fathom events work the way they do, they don't always fall on weekends. There were several screenings, however, this weekend that did count towards the weekend box office. So $246,000 in 273 theaters. Triangle of Sadness is, I mentioned $214,000 in 10 theaters, and then spending a fourth week here on the limited release chart is the David Bowie documentary Moon Age Daydream, bringing in another $170,000. Looking at the 2022 limited release top 10, no big changes from last week. Brahmastra Part 1 Shiva is still number one, followed by BTS Permission to Dance, KGF Chapter 2 is at number three, followed by Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and Orphan First Kill. Pony and Selvan Part 1 is at number 6, followed by Cyrano at number 7, Moon Age Daydream at number 8, although it's looking very close to eclipsing Cyrano for that number 7 spot. Lal Singh Chada is at number 9, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. The portion of its release when it was in limited release is at number 10. Let's look now outside the domestic box office to the international marketplace. These are all markets outside of the United States and Canada. And at number one was the Chinese film Homecoming, which has a second week total of $21.2 million. At number two outside of the domestic market is Smile with $17.5 million, so it's also proving to be a hit in other countries. Ticket to Paradise, which we still won't see for a few more weeks here domestically, is still doing fairly good numbers uh, internationally. $7.5 $7.5 million, followed by Don't Worry Darling with $6.1 million, and The Woman King with $5.4 million. So when we take that international number, we smash it together with the domestic number, we get the top five films worldwide, and Smile very modest production budget, around $17 million. It was the number one movie in the world, reportedly, this past weekend. Just a 3.1% drop worldwide from its number last week, and a $35.9 million total. Anecdotally, I had a fan named Gusa, I believe is how you pronounce his name, a reach out from Sweden saying that in the Swedish market, Smile actually did a 124% increase of business from week one to week two despite no big new theater push or new advertising it was just solely word of mouth and apparently this is very rare in the swedish market so this is a movie that appears to be generating a lot of word of mouth not just here in the domestic marketplace but also around the world at number two is homecoming it takes a 63.3 percent drop in its second weekend for a 21.4 million dollar total lyle lyle crocodile is at number three based solely off of its domestic debut then ticket. To Paradise, which has a 12.1% increase in business from last week at $10.5 million. And then the Woman King also expanding to new markets internationally, an 18.5% increase in business for a $10.5 million total looking at the 2022 worldwide top 10 top gun maverick of course remains number one followed by jurassic world dominion those are so far the only two movies this year that have eclipsed the one billion dollar mark doctor strange and the multiverse of madness is at number three followed by minions the rise of Gru and the batman thor 11 is at number six the battle at lake Chungjin 2 is at number seven moon man is at number eight the seventh and eighth place films both from china Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore is at number 9, and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is at number 10. Looking at the domestic top 10 for this year, Top Gun Maverick is number one, followed by Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and Jurassic World Dominion at numbers two and three. The Batman is at number four, followed by Minions, The Rise of Gru, trying to make it past the Cape Crusader right now, still down there at number five. Thor 11 Thunders at number six, followed by Sonic the Hedgehog 2 at number seven, Elvis at number eight, Uncharted at number nine, and Nope at number 10. Before we look at the streaming charts, I always like to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and we're going to go back 30 years, believe it or not, to the 40th weekend of the year, October 2nd through the 4th, 1992, where Daniel Day-Lewis was at the top of the box office charts. The second weekend of the last of the Mohicans also held very well, a 12.1% decrease for a $9.6 million total Also, on this weekend, 30 years ago, we were introduced to The Mighty Ducks, one of the premier live-action Disney films from my childhood, a $6 million debut. The Mighty Ducks would go on to generate lots of sequels, a current Disney Plus series, an actual hockey team that is still playing. At number three, Tom Selleck. This is a big sports weekend at the box office in Mr. Baseball, about a Major League Baseball player who goes to play baseball in Japan. I'm sure that movie is very culturally sensitive, $5.2 million total, and then, Just behind it at number four, the Dustin Hoffman, Gina Davis, Andy Garcia film Hero. In fourth place by just about $30,000. So basically almost a tie there for third and fourth. And then rounding out the top five in its fourth weekend, a really good movie from Phil Alden Robinson called Sneakers, starring Robert Redford, the late great Sidney Poitier, Dan Aykroyd, and many others with $3 million. Also debuting this weekend in 1992, one of my favorite movies ever, Glengarry Glenn Ross. It was in a smaller number of theaters, so it did not make the top five, but I really, really, really like that movie a lot. So let's turn from what people are watching in theaters to what people are watching at home through various different streaming services. And we will start as we always do with the iTunes charts. And the top three spots remain the same. Top Gun Maverick, which I think is probably going to be entrenched there for a while. Bullet Train at number two, still available only for purchase. And then Where the Crawdads Sing at number three. Rejoining the chart at number four is Minions, The Rise of Gru by virtue of now being available for both purchase and rental. Jeepers Creepers Reborn, also now available for rental on iTunes, so you can go see it in theaters or watch it at home, as we're seeing uh, for many films now. Emily the Criminal is at number six. My weekly reminder, this is a really good movie. You should check it out. Bandit is at number seven. Vesper at number eight. God's Country joins the top 10 at number nine, and Jurassic World Dominion remains at number 10. Looking at the most watched programs on Netflix now, this is for the week of September 26th, through October 2nd. This chart is done with my custom global mural metric where I generate something called the PFV number or potential finished views. I take the length of a program, I divide it by the number of hours that it has been watched and I come up with the number of Netflix viewers that could have potentially finished viewing the entire program. It's just a little custom chart that I do here on the show. At number one is Dahmer, the very buzzy Netflix original series from Ryan Murphy starring Evan Peters with a PFV of 33.9 meaning based on the hours watched and the length of the series, 33.9 million Netflix users could potentially have finished viewing Dahmer. At number two is the Netflix original movie, Lou, which is showing a lot of staying power with a PFE of 25.9. At number three is the controversial movie, Blonde, with a high number of hours watched, 37.3 million hours watched. However, it is a very long movie, That keeps the PFV down. It has a PFV of 13.4. At number four is Minions and More Volume 1, which has a much lower number of hours watched, 10.5 million, but it's also less than an hour long, which is why that PFV number is right there behind Blonde at 13.2. At number five is the French film Athena, debuting on the chart with a PFV of 8.4. At number six, the German film The Empress, which is an original series out of Germany about Empress Elizabeth of Austria. That's good enough for number six on the chart with a PFE of 8.3, followed by the Netflix original movie, Do Revenge, Tyler Perry's dramatic film, A Jazz Man's Blues, at number eight with a P.F.V. of 7.4. At number nine is Last Seen Alive, which is not a Netflix original movie, but is a movie with Gerard Butler. So take that into advisement with a PFV of 5.1. And then rounding out the top 10 is Fate, The Wink Saga Season 2, with a PFV of 4.4. There's a lot more to get into, but before we do that, I want to thank another one of the sponsors for today's show, Mint Mobile. How many times have you been to a big wireless provider and had them promise you the moon only to find out later on that it was too good to be true? Every time, right? That's pretty much their MO. So when I heard that Mint Mobile was offering great wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month, my thought was, well, what's the catch? But it turns out, There's not one. Mint Mobile's secret is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. That's right, they cut out the cost of retail stores, and they're passing those sweet savings directly to you. For anybody who hates their phone bill, and that's everyone, right? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month and gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family, and at Mint, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network, and you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash That's mintmobile.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash and I want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. Let's look now at the ratings that we get from Nielsen. Now, these are not perfect ratings. These are U.S. ratings only. They don't measure all devices, nothing over the air. And these numbers are delayed by about a month. So this is for the week of September 5th through the 11th. This was Disney Plus week. So as we're looking at the most watched movies streaming, according to Nielsen, Thor 11 Thunder is at number one. It made its debut on Disney Plus that week with 25 million hours watched, followed by the Disney original remake of Pinocchio with 15.5 million hours watched. So it seems like most people tuning in more for the Marvel film than they were for the Disney original film, but both generating large watch numbers. At number three, it may have been Morbin Time on Netflix, but it could not stand up to Disney Plus. Morbius with 10.1 million hours watched, followed by the Netflix original End of the Road at number four, with 9.9 million hours watched the netflix original movie me time is at number five followed by elvis on hbo max at number six love in the villa on netflix at number seven despicable me 2*, which is a perennial favorite on netflix when it pops up on that service with 5.3 million hours watched, good enough for number eight this is 40 is at number nine and then on netflix the poison rose at number ten And finally, let's look at the most watched streaming shows, according to Nielsen, and I have an additional chart, which we'll talk about for a second, but first let's look at the pure numbers. As far as total hours watched, Cobra Kai on Netflix takes the number one spot with 28.9 million hours, followed by Devil in Ohio on Netflix with 22.9 million hours, At number three is Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, with over 20 million hours watched, followed by House of the Dragon on HBO Max with 16.9 million hours watched. Of course, it should be noted this chart does not take into account anybody watching House of the Dragon on HBO proper, only on HBO Max, which puts it at a bit of a disadvantage on this chart because you can only see, for example, The Rings of Power on Amazon Prime Video. There is no Amazon over the air network that you can watch it on. Whereas HBO Max is not the sole destination for House of the Dragon. You can also watch it on the cable network. So we're probably shedding some viewers from this chart here, but still 16.9 million hours watched total on House of the Dragon, good enough for number four. Game of Thrones, a resurgence of interest there, still good enough for number five, with 13.4 million hours watched. NCIS on Netflix, good enough for number six, followed by Coco Melon, Grey's Anatomy, Stranger Things, still. Hanging around and Bluey on Disney Plus at number 10. And this leads me to my latest new chart. It's something that I generated because a lot of people have said, well, why can't you do a PFV for the Nielsen charts like you do for the Netflix ones? And it's mainly because when Nielsen lists a series, I don't know... How many people are watching which season of that series so i can't divide the hours watched by the runtime of season two or season three because i don't know you know what the breakdown is however i decided to come up with something that might be a bit of a useful metric and that's all that these are really intended to be something called watch time per episode so i take the total amount of hours watched for all of these shows and divide them by the number of available episodes so this is a breakdown of the top 20 nielsen streaming shows with watch time per episode. And you can see that it looks a little bit different from the overall top 10 that I just shared. For example, number one on this chart is Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. It has three available episodes, and based on its total watch time, each of those episodes, if you divide it equally, is generating 6.68 million hours of watch time per episode. That's WPE. House of the Dragon has four available episodes and it's generating 4.23 million hours of watch time per episode. At number three is Devil in Ohio, eight available episodes and 2.87 million hours of watch time per episode. And then here's a show that we have not seen in the streaming top 10, She-Hulk. She-Hulk has four episodes available with an hours watched per episode of 2.05 million. So this could be a case where we're not seeing She-Hulk in the overall top 10 because these are 30 minute episodes and because there are fewer episodes than in a lot of the other series that we're looking at. So I'm not saying that She-Hulk is necessarily one of the 10 most watched shows overall, but I am saying that it is generating a lot of watch time per episode, and that is something that you're not seeing on the overall top 10. At number five is The Imperfect, which is generating 775,000 hours of watch time per episode, followed by Echoes with 7 available episodes. Coco Melon, despite having 18 episodes available, still in the top 10 with 649,000 hours of watch time per episode. Cobra Kai is another show, 50 available episodes, and an hour's watch per episode of 579,000. Now, the bulk of that watch time, yes, is probably going towards the new episodes that premiered, but again, this is showing you the relative strength of those new episodes. The Sandman's at number 9 with 11 available episodes, and 464,000 hours of watch time per episode and then at number 10 Stranger Things with 294,000 hours of watch time per episode so again this is just another metric to look at and my big takeaway here is that She-Hulk is actually a show that is being watched by a fairly large number of people it's just that at this point in its release cycle and because it has shorter episodes it's tough for it to compete in the top 10 with, for example, NCIS, which has hundreds of episodes. That's one of the reasons that you see NCIS in the top 10 every week. It's because it has so many episodes that people can just leave it running over and over and over day in and day out and that pumps up that watch time so i'm always looking at new ways to present the different information and data that i get and i'm always open to feedback from you if you don't think this chart's interesting or useful just let me know but you know i don't know i just like looking at numbers different ways so that does it for charts this week when we look at the box office picture the only new wide release is or at least super wide release is halloween ends It will be debuting in wide release and also on Peacock. You can look right here on the channel for my review of that movie as soon as I'm able to see it. Also opening in limited release is Till, which is the story of Emmett Till and his mother and her actions in the aftermath of his tragic death. I was able to see that movie actually uh, today before I shot this and I have a lot to say about it. I think you're going to be hearing a lot about this movie as we turn into award season. It's opening in limited release this weekend. It opens in wide release in a couple of weeks on October 28th. And then, as always, there are a number of new films that are opening in limited release. A couple that I wanted to highlight. Decision to Leave, which is from Park Chan-wook. It won him Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival earlier this year. It's in limited release, as well as Claire Denis' newest film, Stars at Noon, which A24 is distributing. It will also be available in limited release. Thank you so much for watching the show. It's the beginning of a busy week here on the channel. Of course, I will be looking at Halloween ends. This is also the week where we get the season finales of both She-Hulk and Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. These are two shows that I checked in on early in the season and have not really said a lot about since, so I'll be doing my season wrap-ups of those shows. Thank you to my partners here on the show, Carbon Health, and to my sponsors, Raycon and Mint Mobile. You can find more about all of them down in the description below. But most of all, thanks for spending your time with me. I'll be back very soon. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.